on the phone in an instant here, I believe. Hey, good morning, RW. Are you with us? Hey, good morning, Allison. Excellent. <clears throat> 150 years ago, English novelist Anthony, Anthony Trollope advises us in his work, Dr. Thorne, let no man boast himself that he has got through the perils of winter till at least the 7th of May. Trollope thinks that both March and April hold plenty of nasty weather. So rather than risk finding the 1st of May not much different, he plays things safe and hopes for a significant change by the 7th. But I reject Trollope's grimness on this subject and prefer to focus on the astronomical dates in question, specifically the fact that today we're officially only 16 days, 18 hours, and 18 minutes from spring. In his Nun's Priest Tale of the Canterbury Tales, Medieval, po- medieval poet Geoffrey Chaucer writes, One that the month in which the world began, hath height march, when God first makes man. Chaucer, of course, is playing on March as the first month of the Roman year, in which March is named for Mars, who is not only the god of war, but also an agricultural deity. March's weather is unpredictable and leads to some confusion, because as an old and anonymous saying goes, March has many weathers coming in like a lion and going out like a lamb. Like a lion, our earliest days of March this year have been wondrous as well, like the winds of March with beauty, as Perdita says in Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale. Yesterday's winds blew the snow from the latest storm this weekend onto the landscape that early this morning shone smoothly under our waning crescent moon near Jupiter. This morning would also be the 132nd birthday of Alexander Graham Bell, who, despite having invented the telephone, felt soon after that the apparatus intruded on his many other and varied scientific pursuits, and hence he would not have a telephone in any of his research laboratories or in his private study. Were he alive today, he would no doubt be among a growing number of ambivalent cell phone users who would much prefer that other cell phone users keep their conversations to themselves. Indeed, lately, more and more businesses, by lead-lining walls and ceilings, are making it impossible for their patrons to even receive wireless signals. On March 3, 1847, in Edinburgh, Scotland, Alexander Graham Bell became the second son born to Eliza Grace Bell and Alexander Melville Bell. Bell's father was an elocution teacher who instructed deaf mutes, although Bell's mother, herself deaf, refused to learn the system of her husband, who was known to remark of her, It's a great grief when I come home to see her quiet resignation under the will of God because of an obstinate disbelief in the power of lip-reading. Young Alexander had a younger and an older brother, and the three of them, just like their father, were interested in sound and invented talking toys. These joint ventures ceased, however, when his two brothers died from tuberculosis, leaving only Alexander. His parents and he subsequently moved from Scotland to Canada in hopes of finding a healthier climate. Eventually, young Bell would head east from Ontario to New England and became a professor of vocal physiology and elocution at Boston University School of Oratory. There, enrolled as one of his students, would be Mabel Hubbard, a young woman ten years Bell's senior. She had lost her hearing at age five due to scarlet fever, but unlike Bell's mother, Mabel would not only follow Bell's teachings, she would also help him as a student assistant in his scientific pursuits, his experiments in sound. Conveniently, Mabel's father, Gardner Green Hubbard, would be Bell's principal benefactor during the lengthy processes involved in acquiring patents. On the 7th of March, 1876, four days after his 29th birthday, 
Bell was issued patent 174465 by the United States Patent Office, which said the patent covered, quote, the method of an apparatus for transmitting vocal or other sounds telegraphically by causing electrical undulations similar in form to the vibrations of the air accompanying the said vocal or other sound, close quote. And three days after that, on the 10th of March, 1876, Bell and Watson, another laboratory assistant, demonstrated the momentous proof of concept experiment, in which Bell was in one room and Watson was listening at a receiver in an adjoining room, hearing Bell utter the famous lines, Mr. Watson, come here, I want to see you, whereupon Watson did as requested and went next door. The next year, in 1877, Bell formed the Bell Telephone Company and married Mabel Hubbard, who, before she had accepted his proposal of marriage, had insisted that from that point on, his familiar name became Alec instead of Alexander. He readily agreed. By 1886, ten years after the proof-of-concept experiment, over 150,000 people in the United States would own telephones, although Alec's main source of income would be from his lectures until 1897. In the meantime, Alec, Mabel, and their brood had been spending more and more time at their burgeoning estate near Baddock on Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. They named it Ben Vray, Gaelic for Beautiful Mountain, after Alec's ancestral Scottish Highlands. Alec's curiosity by the early years of the new century would extend him into interests as varied as aircraft and watercraft design, including propellers and hydrofoils. A few months before he died in 1922, he told a reporter, There cannot be mental atrophy in any person who continues to observe, to remember what he observes, and to seek answers for unceasing hows and whys about things. And as far as this month of March we're having goes, hey, look on the bright side. In the time it took me to telephone broadcast today's essay, we got six minutes closer to the vernal equinox. Now we're officially only 16 days, 19 hours, and 12 minutes from spring. For now, from Orono, Maine, have a great March day. <laughs>